space. The final frontier. And we'll get there eventually. But for now, we're hanging out in the studio and we're talking about it. This is the Scene Snobs Presents Warp Factor Fiction, a chronological analysis of Star Trek on screen. Every month we bring you two new episodes where we talk about one full season of Star Trek in order all the way through. And we can't wait for you guys to get in on it with us. If you want to join a discussion, make sure you're in the comments or head over to our Discord. Uh, the video is available on our Patreon as an exclusive feature. You can go check that out there or listen to the podcast wherever podcasts are put out. Thank you guys so much for being here to listen to this. Uh, please let us know what you think as we get in depth. This is our first episode where we talk about season one of enterprise it was a little rude and crude we were getting into it and we're trying to figure out how we're doing things but we think you'll enjoy it and have a good time with us so stay tuned let's talk about star trek and have some fun what's going on everybody welcome to our new show warp factor fiction a chronological analysis of the star trek franchise a franchise we hold near and dear i am your host Mike manhattan Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, my number one, if you will, if I'm the captain, or vice versa, uh, Casey Mendenbach. Well, thank you so much for having me, my friend. It's great to be here as we warp through this entire series. Well, not series. I mean, this is a whole franchise. We're talking about from the very beginning of NX-01 with Star Trek's Enterprise, which we're beginning today all the way through to Discovery in the future. So we have yeah. quite a few to hit. We've got all the original series, all of Next Gen. This is going to be really exciting, and we're stoked to be able to bring something that we absolutely love that has, dare I say, formed some of our lives to be able to bring that, our love, and share it with everyone. So uh, thanks for joining us, and we're really excited for this opportunity. Yeah, we're going to have some fun stuff for you along the way. Uh, of course, like you said, chronological. So, and Casey said, we're starting an enterprise Every month, we're going to cover a new uh, series, season, but season, we're going to break yeah. it up into two parts, so that way we'll cover the first half of the season, because these were network shows, so it's like 26 episodes per, so the first episode of the month will be the first half of the season, second month will be the second half of the season. We're super excited to do this. It's a Patreon-exclusive show, but you know we're also going to have a very special sideshow called Impulse Run. And that's where it's like five, ten minutes where we talk about a certain thing from Star Trek lore uh, that we really love and appreciate and we want to kind of touch down on. So we're and, getting to that. And then make sure you look on our YouTube for that one. Exactly. Considering each series kind of plays with a different part that's integral to and informs throughout the series, throughout, you know, the entire this this I don't know what you would call it, the franchise, I guess. Of, well, like universe, yeah, the universe, universe of Star Trek. So everything does inform into it. So we want to use those impulse shorts to, for example, talk about the Prime Directive yeah. on this run. Season one, first run of Enterprise, a uh, really important thing that they bring up a lot. So we were going we're gonna to fire one of those recordings off for you as well, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Yeah, so stay tuned. This is the first episode, first half of season one of Enterprise. Please join in. Uh, let us know what you think. Of course, sound off in the comments uh, or write to us or talk to us on social media. We would love to cover things. We're also going to try and get some maybe surprise interviews in here. So stay tuned. Let's have a good time. And let's go where our heart will take us. Faith of the heart. Because we've got faith of the heart. <laughs> knew it was coming. Uh, all right, guys. So we're going to jump right in. Right there. That's the best place to do it. Why not? Dinner cold open. We just talked about faith of the heart. Let's get to begin it. Begin at the beginning. <laughs> so I will tell you, Casey, we were talking about it. Um, and 
a lot of this is going to be between us, but we can't wait to hear from you guys too as well. Um, <laughs> Enterprise for me was one that I I watched when it was on TV. But, mm-hmm. but if you remember, we've talked about Star Trek. I got into Star Trek later in life. Yes. I was more about the movies younger on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked them. Uh, and I watched Next Gen when it was on in the original series when I was a kid. But it wasn't, like, integral. Like, it wasn't something you, like, it was your life. Oh, yeah. That's your franchise. No, sure. Star Trek is 100% where I yeah. was born and bred. That is my thing. All the way watching the original series, having ice cream with my dad up to Next Gen. And then watching Next Gen, and that was something I earned. I earned the time slot to be able to actually watch Next Gen to make sure all my chores were done, to make sure I'd eaten my dinner, I was ready for bed, and then I could watch my show. Well, so, because we're saying it this way, now, I'm going to cut you off. No, no. But I want I want you to be the one who introduces us to the show. Okay. What is the overall? It, just sticking to this first season of Enterprise, what would you say? Like, is the you know what do people need to know? Like, who's the captain? What's the ship? What are they doing? Absolutely. So as we begin here, we are starting the story of Starfleet itself. So this is the very first venture of an actual starship manned mostly by humans and going out to experience the world, to go into society. Captain Archer is the first captain who's given command of the NX-01, which is the first ship named Enterprise. And along with its small complement and crew, roughly 100, They go out and their job is to explore, to find out, to see what's out there, to go try. They finally, we have, so there have been other humans who have gone out. There are still trading lanes open in this world. There are things that vehicles that go warp speed, they go about warp 2.5 on average. Yes. is about what you get. This is the first class starship that has a warp five capable engine. Yes, for, for humans. humans. Yeah, for humans. Because you know that the the Vulcans are already up to like warp seven. There's some other ones that have advanced a little further, and a lot that have matched warp five. But for humans, this is the first time we're going to go exploring, and this is the first time that we get a crew that has to really kind of reflect that explorer's nature and who we anticipate being on there. So this introduction is fantastic. Uh, we get a lot of cool stuff in that very first episode that kind of informs upon who Jonathan Archer is, our captain, uh, who the admiral is at the time. Forrest, uh, yeah. Forrest, yeah. Admiral Forrest Pete. And, like, and, and one of the aspects I like about this show and, and kind of kicking off because Admiral Forrest right off the bat is telling Archer, like, he's giving him an assignment mm-hmm. where they're supposed to do. Very much, I think, uh, uh, where we take, pick up with Starfleet just starting and Enterprise getting ready to go out for its exploration and deep space. So, like, this is the first time humans have had a vessel that would go deep space because they yep. just got to Warp 5. Uh, and the nice part that I always liked about Star Trek, and this covers the whole gamut, is that if there's another species that's ahead, like you said, mm-hmm. the Vulcans have Warp 7 or, or other technologies, and you do see that in this show, especially. They don't give it right off the bat. They're not like, hey, you no. can have it. Because they know the importance of if you're going to be out here, you have to learn to adapt to that yourself. You have to figure it out and create it. And I like that aspect of all parts of Star Trek, mm-hmm. but especially where you're seeing it in the Hubble pioneer days of like the NX-01. Yep. Um, so with these first few episodes, um, the, the big thing about Jonathan Archer you need to know is that his father, with Zephram Cochran, helped create... The warp, warp five, drive. the warp five drive, like well, specifically warp, warp this two and on. Well, like, yeah, like, warp two and on. Yeah, yeah, that's warp. fair. Anything from warp two on. Yeah, yeah because uh, warp two was kind of Zephyr Cochran's world, yes. and a lot of people were able to figure that part out. 
yeah, they yeah. were able to get warp drive. But to yeah. get a warp capable drive that can move up in factor, which the reason you're able to move up in factor with warp factors is just because you're able to build a better, you have a better antimatter system that can create a warp plasma bubble around you that allows you to travel at more significant speeds, which just means you can reach faster as you're pulling harder. Yeah. So <laughs> weird forces. <laughs> I can tell you guys if you're watching this show at any point here, like we appreciate you. Uh, that is why we're both doing this because he can tell you the science side. This is the, this is the spot to my hurt. Whereas <laughs> I'll kick down the door and I'll tell you exactly what I think and how I feel. Truth. But I'm not going to know all those little exorcities <laughs> that he knows and he's been on there with. So I feel like that gives a good balance. It does. Absolutely. It's part of what makes us so fantastic, my friend. True. High five. So, high five. So one of the cool <laughs> things in this that I love right out the gate, and I, I kind of want to, as we're jumping into this first round of the episodes, Starfleet is around. Yes. Starfleet is around. Starfleet is a human property. So everyone needs to be aware. When we talk about Starfleet and the Federation, those are two very different things. This is pre-Federation. Yeah. That means we have alliances with certain you know, worlds and certain Vulcans. other groups. They have Vulcans. Vulcans and us, we have, like, we have a very strong alliance. But someone like the Tellarites, who we barely have encountered yet, the Andorians, who we only really meet during this first yeah, season. Archer's the first yeah, Archer's the first to meet an Andorian. But as we know it, the Federation has been existing with all of these groups of different alien races. So this is nice to kind of get this first look at everyone as we get to know people. And we really only have two alien species we're dealing with, three in the first one. And they introduce a couple. They do. You, you do see the Klingons, they pop up, mm -hmm. and I like how they do it. There's no in-your-face, because Klingons are a huge part, and I don't take anything away from them. But I like that with this show, and, and the fact that it came out mostly after a lot of the, the, the really well-known shows, yeah. they went back and they said, we got to create some new ones. we got to take some out, maybe just have them pop in here and there. Like, Don't expect to really have the Borg be a part of this. Don't have the... That could be Romulans yet, yeah, you know, we didn't, Romulans, we didn't meet like them that. till TOS, you know, so yeah. we still have a ways to go before we get there. But there's Easter eggs. Oh, there's yeah. Easter eggs all throughout. Right. So, and it's nice because then you only have Dr. Phlox, yes. who's the other one, who's a Denobulan, mm -hmm. which we know is Denobulans are much more of a, they're more of a giving race. There are a lot of races out there who would just prefer to help and hang out just because they're curious. And we love that. As the humans, we're always excited for that. Yeah. It's just funny that we always go to violence when most of those races are like, <laughs> what are you doing, guys? Why guns? So, <laughs> Which is it's so cool to see that Starfleet is becoming this thing where they were working with Vulcans and other species. And it is a human construct. But to know where it goes, the fact that Starfleet accepts everyone once the Federation's in place. Mm -hmm. And the Federation, and it shows the bond of the Federation and how strong it is that everyone that's a part of it really has an equal opportunity to work at things and to have a say in things. But in these early days, especially in this first season of Enterprise, it's not so much like that. Yeah. There's a, even the Vulcans, have they have a tough time trusting the Vulcans to mm -hmm. Paul, who is the sub-commander. They don't even call her commander, yeah, number one. Sub-commander. Sub-commander. That's her rank. Yeah. Yeah, that's her rank. But like the, you know, in the early days of sub-commander, that, that really worked. I thought that worked for this element of the show. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, you know, because we know what we go on to, like with Riker being a number one, mm -hmm. or, or, of course, Spock being as a, a commander. Mm -hmm. So... Getting into this in this first season and, and seeing how T'Pol is sort of an adversary in a way, but then how quickly she comes on. We had 
great characters like that. Paul played by uh, Joe Blaylock. Blaylock, yeah. Um, of course, Jonathan Archer, Captain Jonathan Archer is played by the great Scott Bakula. Amazing man. Oh, Wonderful Scott Bakula. Perfect for this pioneer. Oh, couldn't have a better choice. I mean, oh. the, his character is done so well because we get him being as human as he can be. Being as brash and brazen as the test pilot you think would be. Yes. He's this fighter pilot attitude who's just going to go off half cocked, but he's willing to go do anything and try anything. Yep. The beauty of it that Scott Bakula really brings, and especially in these first, let's say, 14 episodes, because that's about what yeah, we're covering. Yeah, that's about for the first one. So up in two episode 14, uh, Sleeping Dogs. There's, yeah, that's a good one. It's a really good one. That was a great one. Uh, we get to see Archer kind of grow. We get to see him as a commander, as taking command and taking charge, as a captain, what his responsibilities are, how he's handling his crew, the way he has everyone doing their job. But he also is very good about informing and speaking with his crew. He connects with his crew. He's a captain the way I think a captain of a, a team would be. So of a yeah. team sport where you're all doing the same thing, he just happens to be the captain of it because you chose him. He seems very much so he could be chosen for that role. Yeah. And one of the best parts about T'Pol, sorry, I just one of the things I love about T'Pol and Jolene Blaylock early on is she is so hardcore Vulcan. Yeah. She is such a Vulcan and her acting gets way better along with her hairpiece. They both yeah, progress. They, progress. they progress and get way better. So by the time we're in episode, I want to say by 10 or 12, the shadows of Pajem, whichever that one is. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's 15. I'm sorry. So by episode 15 is really when she hits her stride. And she is just crushing it. She plays a Vulcan very well, but a Vulcan who is still struggling with being around humans, how to get used to being near this close proximity to humans all the time. And a relatively younger Vulcan. You know, she's not one of the well-aged Vulcans. She's probably about 100, maybe yeah, 90 years old, somewhere around there. So she's been around, but in Vulcan years, she's still kind of considered, ah, whatever, no big deal. You yeah, know? That's, that's sort of a young take on the yeah. character and... Uh... You know, they have John Billingsley. And just go over sort of mm -hmm. the core. That, yeah, that yeah, is. continuing John our core crew. John Billingsley crews. plays Dr. Phlox, who is, you know, he's he's not just a medical doctor, he's a surgeon, he's a therapist, the whole nine. He covers the whole gamut of that, and he really plays that part well as, as like, that confidant to come and talk to. He was that good MASH doctor yes. from early yeah, on. Really like, was. he was one of the really super com competent doctors who yeah. had different ideas because we also don't have all the advancements that starfleet had yeah. that we're used to with a hypo spray and you just hit yourself and you're healed of everything you know yeah they were he still has to figure out leeches he has animals that he uses in in some of his way and some of his treatments yeah. so it's really fantastic the way they built him out so and i'm glad that billingsley did a got gets as much as he does because yeah, obviously sure. some of these side characters they're core characters but you may only get a five minute scene with them throughout yeah. a whole episode if they're even on uh, and Enterprise is no different than any other Star Trek show where you may not see one of your favorite characters in a whole episode. Yeah. So, and, you know, so you have uh, Connor Trenier. Connor Trenier. Yep. Uh, he, plays he plays Trip. Trip. He's this chief engineer. And let's kind of motor through so mm -hmm. we can get to the episodes. Yep. But uh, I think it's Anthony Montgomery plays Travis, who's a yep. great helmsman. Travis that. Mayweather. Yep. Uh, Travis Mayweather. In it. Yep. Um, then there is Linda Park. Linda Park plays Hoshi. Hoshi. Mm -hmm. And Dominic Keating plays. Uh, Reed, Malcolm Reed. Malcolm Reed. Malcolm Reed. Who? Lieutenant Malcolm Reed. I think it's Lieutenant. Who? I, one thing I love, it, <clears throat> it's in the first season, um, is maybe where Red Alert comes from. Yes. Yeah. There, there are a few things that they hint. Yeah. So as we're growing and building with this crew, little things are being added. 
prime directive discussions are happening, like what is first contact protocol? Who should we interact and who shouldn't we? Who should we fire upon? Like every, this is the first ship getting shot and they have to figure out good or bad. Like, I mean, they get shot a few times and they're like, are we supposed to keep fighting? Like they even have to ask, like, it's wonderful that we get to that. And it's, it's so much fun because first contact down the line is, is almost very rare. Mm-hmm. By, especially yep. by next gen or teach yeah. and it's all by the book it is yeah. very strict rules on yeah, how you rules. do that yeah and this there's no rules they just the, the, the humans literally like they were getting ready to leave and and let's start with the first episode mm-hmm. um which is broken bow well, parts one and two um they're getting ready to go on their mission and a klingon is found and killed in nebraska by sulabon who are introduced in this which are mm-hmm. a shape-shifting uh not shape-shifting into other forms but they can like go down into like a, you know, flatten themselves out, sneak into things. Yeah. So the Suleban are like a lizard people basically. Mm-hmm. And we find out later that they can actually be genetically altered and they love the genetic alterations. The more genetic alterations they get, the kind of higher they are ranked yeah. in society. So it's their weird little thing that they do. So being yeah. able to getting those little things are bioengineering that's being done to them, which is pretty rad. And uh, we find out more about that in part two. Yeah. And we'll get, to, you know, we'll get there. It's a big theme because it has to do with the future something called the temporal cold war gets in, uh kind of introduced which uh is takes place like 700 years in the future mm-hmm. and it and you find out why captain archer is sort of like at the forefront of it in certain areas and why he's involved in this. Mm-hmm. so it's fun because we get that we get that little taste so i want to say between episodes one and two here and a little later down the line, we do get more of the temporal understanding, but it doesn't really hit until the very, almost yeah. episode one of season two, I want to say. It's kind of where yeah. we get the full wrap up of what that story is. And I will so. say this, uh, we missed two very important characters. I was, yeah. We're Porthos. Not... Porthos is right. Jonathan Archer's dog, which gets alluded to later down the line in mm-hmm. another Star Trek movie. Uh, and also, <laughs> uh, I think a very important character is Chef, the chef. You never see him, never know what's going on, but you do know that he's there because they talk about him all the time. Chef comes out a couple times because, remember, his porter is dropping the food. Yes. And he says, thanks, chef. And so so we think that's the chef. Yes. That's who my money is on being the chef. I don't know yet. <laughs> I love it, though, and we're going to get to all that more. So let's start there. We've said Broken Bow. Klingon gets killed by the Suliban in Nebraska. And now the journey is pushed up. Like that, the date is there. They want them to go. They want Archer uh, to bring his crew with a Vulcan representative uh, into Paul, be his sub commander, to take the Enterprise and go and drop the body of the Klingon off with the another Klingon crew. And that's sort of where it goes from there. And in this first episode, we are introduced to Ambassador Soval, who I need to pull up who he, who is playing him. Forgive me for being a there. Are so many actors that return yeah. on this series, and that have played other characters in other Star Trek world. I, I love they've always done that. I mean, Jeffrey Combs, who's who is on Deep Space Nine, Everything, Voyager, yeah, yeah. all the video games. He he he's continued on in so many things. He's on this show. He plays one of the lead Andorians, uh, and it's it's absolutely it's a lot of fun to kind of see the early days, especially where the Vulcans were at, what they thought of the humans. And comparing that to how they feel about the humans down the line, I, I, it, like when you look at them, it's like uh, your emotions are such a like a nuisance to mm-hmm. us. But early on, it was like a 
Yeah, they may not feel it, but you can tell they don't like it. Yeah, so uh, Ambassador Saval, who I finally figured out, was played by Gary Graham. Uh, fantastic actor. I love him. Uh, also lead singer of the uh, Sun Kirk. But he, yes, he actually, uh, pretty fantastically, as a Vulcan, in this very first episode, breaks and actually raises his voice. And we see this kind of moment where you start to realize that it does mess with Vulcans being around us. They, this is so new for them as well. Yeah. So it was true. really cool to see that and sure. see how they're still going to have to go back to their group and talk to people like Ambassador Sarek and yeah. explain how he, like, he's going to be reading the stories of Saval. So it's so much fun how all this is tied in together. And uh, we also get John Billingsley, uh, Phlox, is introduced right away, saving the Klingon. Yes. Yep. Yeah, which is a big thing because knowing what the Klingons are and that they want to die in a certain situation where it's a battle like that, it really takes a takes its toll on that, on this whole thing. It puts a strain on it, the fact that they want to bring him back, to, you know, like help him heal and, and give him back to his people who don't believe in that. Yeah, they don't want him. Like, they, they think that you should die out there. That's the way Kalish would have wanted, and that's what you should do. You should commit to the death, an honorable death. Yeah. So instead, they freeze him, throw him in the back of the NXL1, and get cruising on to Kronos as yeah. they're making their way to the Klingon homeworld for the first time ever. Yeah, I know, and, it, it, and it's, it's funny. I love the aspect of seeing this from an early-on perspective of, like, everybody kind of connecting and and not understanding and like pushing almost like humans being a little too pushy with their feelings Very. Uh, like well that's not how we do it it's like but it, it all like they did a really good job in this episode of learning from their mistakes mm -hmm. and they do change like there is a shift like okay i can't think like that yeah because i thought like that and now i see how it kind of played out and a, and a few episodes in this first season really do that well they really do uh when it, especially here in this first two-parter with broken bow we wind up getting Archer having to make a compromise to himself and just for his crew in order to complete the mission. We see to Paul having to allow an emotion affect her judgment yeah. or almost just shift her judgment a little bit mm -hmm. from being pure logic to, well, maybe this human idea could work. Yeah. So in that in this first two-parter, they do a great job of kind of showing off everyone, alluding to who's who going to be who. They show Trip is absolutely a fantastic engineer, could be second in command, still a little emotional. Yeah. Still a little emotional to be doing that. There's some immaturity there. There is the some immaturity. Yeah. And they yeah. show that really well. They also show Dominic Keating. Uh, 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 Reed. Uh, Reed. Yeah. Malcolm Reed. They show him trying to work on the weapon systems, polarized hull plating. Yeah figuring out what his next job needs to be and learning the whole way of what his job needs to be, which plays out throughout the entire series, really, uh, until he becomes kind of a tactical officer, which doesn't happen. Right now, he's opened as an armory officer. Yeah, That's it. He's a guy who comes in, shoots big guns, you know? That's, and he, that's he's it. all about it and, and, and strengthening that ship, and I like how they do that. It's got a very Iron Man sort of feel of like, okay, I've been through this, so now how do we adapt and change it so we don't go through that again? Mm -hmm. And it's piece by piece as they go. So when you get through Broken uh, Bow and how it goes, you get introduced to the Klingons and like how that inf interaction is going to go, kind of going forward. And the Klingons are not at the forefront in the beginning of Enterprise. No. They're not the big enemy. They're not a big, like, there's no, like, later on, especially in TOS, you know, there's like a Cold War going on there between, you know, Starfleet and the Klingons. 
And Discovery, we get to actually war. Yeah. We get to actually see him fight. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, what's yeah. left after the fight. So, and, yeah. even, like, and we know in Next Gen like how it starts with the fight and then joins Federation mm-hmm. and then DS9 and the whole nine going forward. But it takes hundreds of years to get there. So this early on a period, it's like they don't even want to – we're bugs to them. They don't even yeah. want to bother with us. Yeah. So when they do have to bother with us, it becomes sort of another nuisance. And we are sort of the flea in the hair that's kind of biting at everybody and pissing them off. Uh, and it, it's it's known, and I like how Archer's character, or his character arc, especially in his first season, he comes in so cocky, mm-hmm. and then you see him learn through it. Like, no, I can't do this. I can't. I got to be a captain. I have to be a leader to these people, and I wasn't used to that. Yeah. So I like how they did it with this, um, especially in this first half of the season. Yeah. Because this first half of the season is him trying to do it his way. Mm-hmm. He finds the places where he needs to make compromises, but they're small. Yeah. He's willing to do things as long as it continues to be his goal and things are still going his way and everybody's still working for him. Yeah. And it, it's kind of fun in that first part of the first half of the season, how they do that, how everyone eventually, he eventually grows as a captain. So by the end of this, well, when we get back to that part yeah. in the next episode, we're going to really dig deep on that because that's very important. But right now I've got to say that one of my favorite things that this show has done throughout these first 15 episodes is it has given the crew, all of them voices. Yes. It has really given the crew a chance to, to grow and to shine, or at least to be introduced. For you to know what their baseline is. Mm-hmm. You know who they are. You know, they're, they're still getting together and throwing on movies and doing group activities and trying to keep themselves busy and doing stuff together. And it's moving as a, as you would think, an exploratory group under a military command would move. It, it's kind of moving in that, that because... vein very well. We get to meet some of these early uh, baddies, well, and especially right I want to point out to what you were just saying. Like the, the big thing with this is they are desperately trying to not only have other people see them as this, but see themselves as just explorers, not a military outfit, not that. Right. But more and more, it's being proven that you're out here. You're a stagecoach out here. Mm-hmm. You got to have some sort of force. And that comes into play quite a bit. It does. And that's another great thing that they do is as they're going, one of the advancements we had discussed and you'd spoken on it is they do figure out, okay, we can make our hull plating a little better. We can tweak our weapons a little bit. We can add phase cannons because we don't get them when they first go out because they leave without having everything they need. So the first 10 episodes are them basically never having gone back to space dock after having gone all the way to Kronos and they didn't even have all their weapons installed. They didn't have all their systems online. They were, they were a little underprepared and Actually, it shows a nice parallel to doing this show now and starting it this way is because we're in fact using one microphone sitting here next to each other in my living room talking. Uh, and we have a studio being set up for us mm-hmm. to sit down and do that and, and kind of have a thing. So like, it, it feels nice. Like for the first episode, it's kind of crude, a little rude, like, uh, putting this together and only to build ourselves like they are to mm-hmm. kind of get to that. Now I, I like that parallel. I was thinking about it. Like when we were getting started, I'm like, can't wait till the studio's ready. So we can sit down. Gosh, by the time we get to next gen, it's going to be like. We're going to be in this. We're We're going to have so much great stuff. Yeah. I'll build out some all cars panels. So we'll be ready to go. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to up it. Like we're here in my living room. Then we're going to be in a shuttle pod. Then we're going to be (laughs) going from there. Um, So let's get into, so we're talking about broken bow and like what that was and bringing the Klingon home. And like, then after that, they go right into exploration. The the enterprise is out. They're not going back home. They're they're They need to explore and they're going to be gone for a while. 
So this get, they're getting used to it. And they've made the decision that they're going to hang out and they're going to get out there and they're going to see what's out there. And it's really fun because they start taking their time, start cruising around, and we get a little bit of Travis's backstory in the next one in Fight or Flight. Yeah. As we start to get a little bit of his space boomer and what it means to be one of these people, one of these kids who are on these space flights that literally are just about traveling cargo. It's yeah. just transporting cargo over huge distances. So super mega space long haul truckers, also known as boomers, <laughs> are a thing at this point in the world. So and a big and a cool thing about that is like if you're a fan of the expanse or something like that, you can associate that those boomers, that's what they are. They're they're the ones that went out and decided to become almost long haul truckers, like Casey said. Uh and but it's your family on there. Like mm-hmm. everyone on there is a family and it's run like a captain and his subordinates. But at the end of the day, like, like Travis talks about the fond memories of his family. Mm-hmm. And, and you do get to see that later down the line in the show. Yep. But I like that aspect and what he brought to it is like, well, you haven't been space traveling. You've been building the warp and getting ready. And now you're the captain of the starship. I have been traveling. I've been out here. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. You know, I know what it's like. I've met certain people. So he does bring for a young voice and a helmsman. He's only an ensign. Yeah, he's only an ensign, and yeah. they, they're putting him out here as the helmsman of the first Warp 5 capable ship. Unheard of. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. So he was just that good. He And he is, and he shows mm-hmm. it. I, 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 I thought about it, and I will do our rankings as the show goes on. Yes, like yeah. That. I think at the end of each of these episodes, we should rank where we feel the crew is. I like it. Yeah. yeah. And Oshi, even in this uh, next episode, episode three, um, she's in short. Strange New World. Now, that's a great one. So episode oh, two yeah. is fight or flight. Episode three is Strange New World, which is yeah. fantastic. Yes, that is you want to talk really about, so good. They get stuck in the planet. Yep, on the storm. So it's a trip to Paul, uh, and it's to, for lack of a better term, red shirts. Randos. Which I love is they have the jumpsuit and eat, they still keep through the colors: gold being command, yep. red being engineering or security, mm-hmm. and then of course blue being science, science or medical. Yeah. You know, so. They they have blue jumpsuits with the patch. They don't have the an emblem yet, and they yeah, have, they have this emblem. Yep. So it's kind of like that, kind of like just That's strapped that. on. Remember, it's 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 they have the NXL. Oh, one. it's just the NXL one mission yeah. patch. It's not even an actual yeah. Starfleet patch yet. Yeah, good call. So they have so they do that, and then of course they have their bars here, but it's just the colored lines to tell you where they're at. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I dug that because I was like, it's very rudimentary to everything else that we see. And how important those colors become later, um, and and kind of going into that in this next episode, they go to explore this planet. There's no bio signs on there, and they get stuck. But then they find out that there are some bio signs, Ooh. right? And in this episode, and kind of highlight what meant what this episode meant to each of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that we were we were looking at it from the point of view of like what uh, to Paul's, you know, logic first always no emotion and you know the Vulcan feeling played into that she was the strongest to be able to handle it mm-hmm. but I really liked the way Trip and Sapal kind of went, went off of each other in this. Yeah. They really like this is some big character building between them. They really did and that's one of the cool parts of these characters is they build everybody together. Mm-hmm. These episodes build everyone and I think one of my favorite relationships is Trips and Paul's, and that carries on throughout the whole series so just Spoiler alert, I've seen all of these. So <laughs> if you haven't, we won't tell you. We're, we're not gonna, gonna we're, uh, Yeah, we're just we're keeping it high level, y'all. We're um, hoping you're watching the season by season as you do this, or if you've seen mm-hmm. it. Uh if you're new to it, please watch and check them out. It's worth it, it's a lot of fun. 
Uh, but one thing about that too is the introduction of like how much of the hothead trip is towards yes. other species yep. and how like we're right, you're wrong, like we don't believe in this because he grew up in a utopia. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't even around for the Zephyr Cochran before with the war. He yeah. knew about it. It's like it's like us being kids. No, we knew World War II happened. happened. You know? We know what World War II happened. Yeah. We knew the Vietnam War. We knew people who yeah. fought in the Vietnam War. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We yeah. were much, they were a decade removed as we're babies, yes. you know, and then all of a sudden people yeah. from the 40s and 50s are our great, great uncles and so on and so forth. Exactly. So, so this is the point we're having discussions here where Trip is already, his grandfather experienced that, yep. you know, so it's different. We're, we're that far removed. Absolutely. And I, I do a really good job of, having, of testing that patience mm -hmm. and seeing how that plays out. Uh, but to see Trip kind of come around through it is, is a lot of fun. Yeah, it really is. And and especially because one of the things that I've always considered with the Federation and Starfleet is that everyone's equal. Equality is important. But early on, humans are xenophobic because yeah. Vulcans are xenophobic because every species is not trusting of any other species. Yeah. It is fantastically done. I love that. And I think that's one of the things I love about the show and the fact that the humans have created Starfleet and they, they're so anxious to explore and learn is that it comes down to play that ultimately it's us that kind of we just need to kind of get together on this and talk mm -hmm. like we're the ones kind of we're the young ones that are coming in just being like you guys have been going at it for a long time you don't want to be really around anybody but let's do this and we see yeah. that a lot with the andorians especially and the vulcans who are in a sort of a cold war between themselves which when we get to that episode the shadows of pajam which will end this show it's going to be amazing. Yeah. So we got so a lot of going on there. But as one of those parts, one of the cool things with yeah. the xenophobia and the growth is that everyone trip is the old world mentality mm. of that still very xenophobic. I come from a utopia. What's wrong with our world? Our world was perfect. How dare you tell us that our world sucks? Yeah. Archer has that mentality, but works really hard to break himself of it. And yes. I think that is impressive. And I think once he realizes he sees that in Trip, yeah. which is about episode five, I would really say. Not, unex yeah, not I, I, unexpected. Agree. The Terra Nova episode. But yes. before we get there, yeah. the unexpected, where we talk to Trip and he goes on the Zerillion ship. Um, and you see a lot through the Zerillians. You find, they, you find out that they're the ones that started Holodex. Yep. Uh, and which we still don't get that technology, but it is, yep. an, it is an inspiring one. Uh, and Trip goes on to help them with some engineering. And he learns so much more. And in the in the realm, gets pregnant. Yeah, how crazy is that? <laughs> like, and you talk pregnant. about breaking someone so early. Yeah. They took Trip's character and smashed him on the rocks. Like they oh took him, and like whereas Archer, you see him grow out of his xenophobia. Trip comes smashed into the face out of his xenophobia. Like they just assault him yeah. so much throughout his first couple episodes to the point of getting pregnant. By yeah. episode four, from a very attractive alien, Trip. who I would have absolutely been impregnated yes, by as well, thousand percent. But yeah. Trip is the type of guy who, and we talk about Trip a lot because Trip is very integral to the top three, which is mm -hmm. to Paul, Archer, and Trip. Yeah. Now, of course, Reed is important, and Travis Mayweather, and, yeah. and, 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 and Hoshi, and, yeah. uh, and of course, Doctor Fox. Oh, Doctor Fox. You yeah. will see those things, and they have their time to shine. But this is like the uh, the Spock, Kirk, uh, Bones, yeah. Who really, when they get together, it's they're trying to come up with what they need. The Picard, Data, Riker. 
you know that, yeah, yeah. The, the, everyone has that sort of that triumvirate mm-hmm. that uh, that gets the more more screen time. Just be honest with you. I yeah, mean, just that's, factually, that that's just what, what it is. is. Yeah. Uh, so then you get that he gets pregnant. Of course, this is a lot of this is Monster of the Week, as they like to put it. So you're going to see. But the thing I like about that is not so much Monster of the Week as it is interaction. We're going to find something out. We're going to learn. And this show, again, does a really good job of growing from that. So Trip getting pregnant. Like, there's no real huge drama here. No. There's no huge It's just very straightforward. Like, oh, now you're dealing with a new thing. (laughs) You know, Fox is helping them through the new thing. Yeah, it's fantastic to watch them go through this. And also, they do highlight certain crewmen along the way. There are a lot of good side characters who come into this who are repeats on this show. Yeah. So you'll see, you know, the same ensign on about five or six times. They, she has her own storyline at one point, this nurse. And she's fantastic throughout this between yeah. trying to date flocks, which is a great wacky time. And yeah, then- <laughs> like they're all going to pop up and you're going to see yeah. some really fun characters, definitely. This this first se- this first half of the season really sort of uh, is, is on the main. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get that because you're not only introducing them, but you're introducing so much more. Because we catch so many more species of yep. other characters that we're getting into this. And one thing like with uh, going into Unexpected and then into Terra Nova, which was a big episode. Yeah. Um, Terra Nova is an episode where they find this planet. They're going to find a colony that was set up of human beings that went onto another planet to live there and study it and such. And when you get there, no one's to be found. And the yeah. colony has sort of been abandoned. And they find underground dwellers uh, who may be related to those. It's like uh, a Jamestown Croatoa thing. It's yes. pretty rad. I really loved when I saw this because I absolutely was like, oh, that's so rad because, of course, we all lost settlements and colonies when everybody was going out early on. You always do because guess what happens when you show up to another place and say, hey, we'd like to take this. Generally, people don't like it. So, oh, 100%. And oddly. What I liked about this one and the fact that you found out that uh, that really the only human that was left from the colonization that got happened there uh she's an old woman and everybody mm-hmm. else was just sort of descendants of those mm-hmm. colonizers uh coming in and finding the difference and asking the question of if these generations have been there so long and they've had to adapt to the land that they're living on are they still human mm-hmm. do they have that connection should we respect them and what they wish and what they want uh because of the things they built versus you're human, you should be with us. Right. It's a, it's a fun play there because yeah. it's how do you take someone from their home and say, well, this is your who you are and this is your home when you've never identified as that. Yeah. These people haven't identified as human. They don't grasp it. They can wrap their head around it. They don't trust them. They don't trust Yeah, why would you trust them? there. Like, we haven't seen you. Yep. You know, it, it, even all the, the older woman was a little girl when all of this happened. She's from Earth, but she traveled there and she was just a little girl. So all she remembers is everybody suffering and, you know, kind of going mm-hmm. through this whole motion. She has no connection to that world anymore. Yeah. And I, I really like the themes that they play into this. This was a very good episode. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, it was really good. And it actually goes into, I believe I have to call this, perhaps my favorite episode of this season, first half of the season. I like that. I, I, I thought this would be, too, when I was talking about it. Um you know, and I'm kind of coming into this as we go along with this too, because when I watch it, I'm like, you know, I'm rewatching it, and it's like, you know what? I really like this episode. I want to note something about it. Terra Nova definitely stuck out to me, but um, I think that there is another episode we'll get to. Um, but I do want to kind of move on to the next. Oh no, episodes. the next episode is the one that it's I love. The Andorian incident is my all-time yeah. favorite. 
The reason it is is because we're traveling now with Archer Trip and Paul who get uh, called over to Pajem. So they're going to Pajem because they want to visit the monastery and they're very excited to visit the monastery because it's gorgeous. I mean, this is this amazing ancient structure, Zamar you know? Yeah, for some R&R, &R, they're going to chill out on this Vulcan, you know, planet of, of great holy importance or what not quite holy, but you know, reverence for them. So they get there to this monastery and they find out that it's being used as a listening post yes. by the Vulcan High Command to spy on the Andorians. And the Andorians, who are very warlike, see this as an act of aggression, and they naturally want to aggress. Yes. So uh, they take Archer Trip into Paul captive, and then kind of work through with once again our guy, who's there? Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs, baby, of course he is. As Commander Vash, is that his name? Uh, yeah. He's, so he steps in, and uh, he plays such a great character. Um, and he Tran. Plays Commander Strand, that's it. Sorry. He plays so such a great character against Archer and to say like how angry he is, but also understanding like he has a respect for Archer by the end of this that plays out through the rest of the season and so on and so forth. Because he does show back up a few times because the Andorians are an important they're a massive part of the Federation. Yeah. Like they're one of the founding members of the Federation. It's the Vulcans, the humans, the Andorians, and the Tellarites are like yeah. the major beginning of it. So we get to see the first interaction of a human. Captain Archer with an Andorian. And it doesn't go well. Oh, it's not great at all. Until the end when he proves to them, yep. and, you know, not to ruin too much, but like he, they do find the outpost uh, and Archer straight up is like, here you go. Yeah. You know, I agree with you. If they're doing it, like we're, we're working with the Vulcans, but I see they're doing it. Here you go. You were right. Yeah. You know, I like the way they just come out with that. Yeah. You I know? don't care if there yeah. are allies. You were right. And this is wrong. Yeah, so, exactly. Right is right. Fair is fair. And yeah. and I think that, and it's fascinating to see that this is what sparks and begins yeah. the relationships that will grow into the Federation. Exactly. So we get to see that first with the Vulcans and how we grow into that. Then now we're immediately getting the Andorians, yeah. which is really cool. And the Tellarites will come later. They're, they're in, there. Oh, the Tellarites, yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. coming. They're kind of around. They play so well into this um, and, and like and how it affects the Vulcans and the uh, and Earth now and the humans, and how it's kind of like you kind of screwed us on that. We're allies, so it creates a lot of tension. And he, but even like within to Paul, that type, that character, she comes into play, and she's like, "This is wrong. Mm -hmm. Logically, we shouldn't be doing this." Yeah, and she just stands against it. Now, like that creates a friction because she is a high ranking member. And they didn't want her on this anyway. And now this is why they didn't want her on it. She was supposed to be on for all the month, yeah. you know, and now all of a sudden she's been on for four months, like five yeah, months right at this point, point. now yeah. uh, at the Andorian incident. So it's fantastic to see. And it's, it's one of the reasons it's one of my favorites, not just because Jeffrey Combs always smoke, just smokes the role, yeah. but because we really see the Archer trip to Paul, the unity starting to grow. We're seeing this unit now work with other species because we've seen them against the Vulcans. We've seen yeah. them with the Klingons. We've seen them kind of interacting a few places, but now we're getting them with the Andorians, yes. a massive name. So yeah. it's pretty rad. And then that breaks us, moves us right over into breaking the ice. And I would like to talk about breaking the ice and civilization because they have a lot of similar themes. Yes. And a big reason for that is, uh, and we'll get into civilization in a second, but breaking the ice, the enterprise finds a, a comment moving and they decide we want to, get some samples, go on there. So Reed and Travis go uh, do their thing. And it plays really well. Like uh, that's very straightforward. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they have some hiccups and trouble here where they, they're in some danger, but they figure it out and they get out. It's a very Star Trek episode sort of way. The thing I really want to talk about here is when we find out that uh, there are Vulcans who, and this is where the mind melt gets introduced, mm-hmm. there are Vulcans who embrace their uh, emotions and they go through and they, they come on and Paul is very apprehensive about it because she is not of that thinking. And you're introduced to this whole aspect of the Vulcans that they really like. And we get the mind melt, but we also get a, an allegory to sexual assault or rape. Yeah. Uh, and to Paul being mind melded against her will and how that affects. Because when we see it, it's Spock doing it for the most part. And it, like in uh, TNG or, or the movies and such. So like it's, you know, when Spock uses it, Utility adapts to it, but he's using it we've moved on. We've gotten to a point where it's okay to do both. Well, I mean, that's one of the important parts with the mind meld is, is it is something where it's a shared experience. It's part of the meditation, but you're able to reach into one another's lines and you want to share. It's an open thing. Yeah. So this, and it's a common thing in Vulcan. So what we're seeing now in this mo- this episode of Breaking the Ice, uh, where the Vatash Katet, that's what I was looking for. Yes. That's what they're called. The Vulcans who have given back into their emotions, who have given up logic. Um, she are the Vatash Couture. So she gets assaulted. We see them yeah. handle things that you wouldn't expect to be handled in a Star Trek show. And that's... we are now getting another level, which I, I think every Star Trek show has in their own way oh, yeah. spoken for the time in some way or another. And I think this is now when we're really getting into a lot of assault things being was popular at that time. Yeah. It was hot. It was it was important. It was being talked about more. I think it was yeah, a more was open. Too, it was an open conversation, is what I meant to say. Yeah. It's more. It needs to be discussed, and they did that. And Star Trek did that. So I'm very excited for that. And it's a it's a rough episode to watch. That is a real difficult scene to watch. The yeah. any time that is a violation on a degree that I can't even and to fathom. Watch her reaction and Jolene Blaylock crushes it. Yeah, she did, a did such a good job in this episode. I so, mean, it's harsh, and it comes back like that comes back into play in a yeah. lot of ways. And we'll get to that when we get to the like, second season and such. But um, you see how just how much has affected her and and why she um, reacts the way she does. It's it's well done. Archer handles himself really well in that episode too, uh, and it plays into civilization. I think in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, agreed. So, uh, you know, if you want to take it and talk about civilization a little bit, uh, I'm just pulling up everything. So. Yeah, civilization, just a simple one. Uh, it's one of those where this is where we kind of reach this point where we start to understand more and more with what's going on with the idea of a prime directive. Uh, when when we see this away team interact with as the crew heads down to to check out on this yeah, it's pre-warp a, civilization, basically. Yeah. Um, and well, pre-industrial even. They were actually, yeah. yeah, they were pre-industrial. I'm sorry. This is, yeah, sorry. Brain fart. Civilization. They're going to a, a basically Bronze Age team. Yeah. Like even pre-that Mesopotamia. Now, of course, their Bronze Age is a little more technologically advanced than ours was. <laughs> Slightly. But, uh, Slightly. Yeah, nothing was made of bronze. But uh, I like that aspect, too. Like, they have to go undercover. They have to get, they, they put on, you know, the makeup to make themselves look like the, the species down there. And then they st- they stumble upon a con man from another you know from you know another planet mm-hmm. who sort of is doing the same thing but taking advantage of it and seeing that aspect of how involved do we get how much do we tell the people that are finding things out or seeing things and like that connection 
but I liked how that added an layer to Archer mm-hmm. and how he had to handle it um, and, and connect. He did not do well. No. And that's the beauty of this. We get to see Archer fail. Yeah. Quite a few times. Yes. We get to see every single member of this crew fail. And by this point, once we reach uh, Civilization and skipping right into Fortunate Son, which is not one of my favorite episodes, it was good. It was decent. It was fine. Uh, I, something fell flat on this episode for me, but it really informs on Mayweather. So it is a great one for that. Um, but the rest of it was just kind of bunk <laughs> for me. You yeah, know, I, not to be, yeah. He was kissing the, the one woman that he met on a plane and stuff like that. And I get it. Yeah. But I kind of like how they added it because it was like, you know, when you had Kirk, he was the lover, you know, he did things like that. Yeah. Um, but then you have uh, Archer doing it. And it's kind of like, he's so torn after he does it. He's like, I can't believe I just did this. Yeah. I, can't. <laughs> well, I just took advantage basically. Like, yeah. And it's funny following right on the footsteps of that, where someone was taken advantage of is in his crew. Yeah. And here's another actually great point that I didn't bring up previously. Sorry, not civilization, but the episode seven breaking the ice. We see Archer care hard, yeah. but previously we've seen Archer, cares he's concerned he is a good captain yes gets his ass kicked a lot a lot like <laughs> like a lot scout back <laughs> man hardcore working out because i mean the scratches scars he was almost kirk who like yeah. bared his chest like 18 times in the original series by the way oh my god oh, ridiculous bacula didn't do that he was a t-shirt wearing guy he wears t-shirts yeah, everywhere he wears t-shirts. <laughs> when he has a shirt off there's a reason yeah exactly it was pretty solid it was well done but uh, in Breaking the Ice, we finally see him really connected to Paul. Like, he he yeah. cares. She's a member of she the She is crew. You know, and that's a really good part. So in Civilization, we hit the Unfortunate Son. Great fun with Mayweather. We get to learn about his boomer background and kind of see how the space truckers fare. But I also like in that where Travis gets, um, he gets his way of thinking challenged. He does, yes. You know, and yep. he turns around and he's like, you know what? I, I do. I respect Archer. He's always pushing, like, this is what Captain Archer would do. And this mm-hmm. is, the, I think this is the best thing. You know, you have to show care. You have to show, you have to respect uh, these species. And I like how that really came to the forefront because yeah. I think it made him a better helmsman. I agree. I agree. And we actually see how the captain's influence is affecting his members yeah. of his crew. And I think that's fantastic because they grow the crew. Yeah. This season grows the crew to be a crew that I loved. That I loved and makes me sad we only got four seasons of it. And I, that's so. the thing I, I really like about this, too. And this plays a good part into it, Fortunate Son. Um, and even the Cold Front, which is the next episode, which we're going to get into, which is very much an episode that plays with the overarching theme of what they're going to yes, be doing. This is when they get back yeah. into, hey, remember that thing from season one yeah. that we started with? Let's bring it on back. But this is, with oh, when it comes to Archer, like Trip is undying loyalty to him. Yep. Travis is warming up and has a loyalty to him. Everyone in the crew is loyal to him, but Hoshi is aggressively things. loyal to him because she doubts herself. There's an exactly for herself. which, and I love that they show yeah. this all the time. But Archer is unflapping; he's unwavering in his yep. belief in Hoshi. That is one of the great things. That was too. the only one she went. To, he went yep. to bring on only one person. He reached out to was like, "I have to have you." Everyone else was generally assigned, and he backchecked, yep. and he decided, "Okay, yes, you're my crew." But Hoshi, he went and sought after. Yeah. Like, yeah. Trip was friends. Yeah. Trip was going to come. Trip was going to follow out of loyalty. But I like, you don't get Reed right away. Reed it does his job. He's, he's a... Fantastic at his job. In Amazing. a way, a company man or, or a military man yep. where he follows... He's a Starfleet man. Yeah, he's, he's a Starfleet He's by regulation. Everything's... He questions yeah. within himself the captain and how he does things. 
And then yep. he ultimately sort of comes around and say, oh, I get it. We're, you don't want us to feel like military. You right. want us to feel like explorers, but we right. have to do both. And Malcolm Reed is a great kind of uh, uh, foil or opposite of T'Pol because he's yes. the human version of uptight. And then you have the Vulcan version of uptight. Mm -hmm. And the idea of the two of them together, it's like, this is brutal. Like, I yeah. could see where it's kind of hard to walk and fart at the same time around those places, buddy. Everything's so tight, tight. <laughs> it is. And, uh, you know, it's so, like, when we get to Cold Front, this is the first time that we have sort of a, an invading force on Enterprise mm -hmm. trying to really mess around with things outside of the realm of what everyone knows, meaning the Temporal Cold War, which only really Archer knows, and Daniels, who is a crewman on the Enterprise, finally outs himself to say that he's from the future, and he's part of the Temple Cold War, and that's why he's here, because this plays a big part. Right. So this is part of where Enterprise uh, lost itself for me. I'm going to say that from the word go. Yeah. This, to me, has always been the weakest part of it, and it's always it always bugged me because I felt like they just something missing to it, you know? Yeah. I feel like they could just do a little more. It's not that it's bad. It just wasn't good. It wasn't great. It wasn't yeah. – they were just pieces. So yeah. the, in this episode, we get probably one of the best versions – to this point and possibly in all of season one, for my opinion of the temporal cold war, because yes. we understand it. Daniels explains what's going on. The crewman has returned. It is only Scott Bakula, which does bug me because he talks to other people about it later, but not at this point, at this point it's Scott, it's just Archer. Yeah. So we only have Archer and Daniels learning about the temporal cold war. The fact that the Suliban creatures are, yes, they're here in the present time, but in future, the Suliban war here is the one who's like an operative, yeah for this other dark force that we don't know this dark menacing force still. They are still a mystery as to who is the other person sort of pulling the strings of these big bad things happening. So in Cold Front, we get this episode where we're taken along into being caught up to what's happening in the Cold War right now mm -hmm. and where Enterprise sits in this great battle that's sort of happening in the midst of them, yet they're sort of the flashpoint for it. They're the spot where everything happens. So that's what Cold Front covers. Um, and it's well done. But once again, this this is one of the parts of Enterprise that just kind of bugged me overall as a series. Yeah, and, and I'd agree with you. And then the reason I say that is because, and agreeing with you, is for me, you should have either said, I'm going to spend more time on this. Yes. Or you were just you should have just taken it out. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, they, they tried to almost middle the road it too much. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing they didn't do. They had committed to this and made it the whole ship. Let's go. Let's <clears throat> rock. We're going to have five episodes about it, and this is going to be huge. Yeah. Or we're going to do this, and we're going to piecemeal it, but we're only going to do it every five or six episodes, but they have to eventually get to something. Yeah. And the problem is they took too long getting to different places, and by the time they got there, I lost interest because I was legitimately sold yeah. on a What are T'Pol and Trip doing today? You yes. know, what's, yes. what's Malcolm up to today? You know, what's Hoshi doing? I don't, I didn't care for this part of the story was really the, it for me. Yeah. As much as I cared about the crew. Once we get to that point, we see this, they go right back into almost mm -hmm. like character episodes yep. in the next three episodes before we get to our final episode in this episode, in this show that we will talk about <laughs> too many episodes. I felt like I lost all of meaning. Oh, man. Um, episode. 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 Am I saying that episode. word right? It's still a word. So we get uh, three episodes right in a row. Silent Enemy, which is a, uh, it's a, you would think it's a Hoshi episode. It's more of a, a, a Reed episode where you learn mm -hmm. more about Malcolm Reed and who he is. Um, but while on that, on that front, 
they're being attacked. And that, and the reason that Malcolm comes into play in this, Hoshi's trying to find out things about him for his birthday party to surprise him. Yeah, because they have realized they don't have any information on him. Yeah, and, yeah. He, and he's very kind of like seclusive guy. Um, but while they're doing that, they're in danger. They're being attacked, and they realize that they're, they don't have the the necessary equipment and weapons to help protect themselves out there that they didn't think they were going to get into. It was things mm-hmm. they didn't think about that now they're, you know, archers like we're down, we're out. We need to go all the way back to Jupiter to get fixed. Cause that's where the, the, the art is to fix things. And they're not going to be able to, so they have yeah. to figure it out for themselves. And I liked that. I liked that aspect. I like that they put Reed to the test mm-hmm. to make it happen. And trip is in there trying to help them. And you learn more about him and his drive to do those things. Um, and that, that kind of rolls in just to get these three episodes and where they were at. Uh, Dear Doctor, of course. Oh, gosh. Dear Doctor. Yeah, no, no. Man, man let me tell you, Dear Doctor is one of my favorites. Flock's writing a story back to one of his dear friends. Yes. And they're both part of the Starfleet you know, Alien Exchange Program, basically. Um, and Flock's is just phenomenal. We get John Billingsley at his finest. He does a really good job in explaining what a Denobulan is who it means to be him specifically, what drives him, what motivates him, how he just is there to help. And he truly kind of, he cares in a way that you can't fathom. It's hard to imagine someone who really truly loves this way and cares and wants only the best for all living creatures. So it's really a wild, uh, a wild episode. And it's a lot of fun with what they do. Yeah. And, and, and that was a good one because it really, it's not just that he cares but like the things that he has to do medically that yes. you may not understand as a doctor and also as a different species when you're human and he's a noblin. Yeah, um, trying to learn other species. He discusses yeah. that, like how he still gets tripped up by the like yeah. something of a gastrointestinal system. He's like, it's, oh still, my God, it's, it's a hilarious little throwaway line. I mean, it's just the way Billingsley delivers it, man. He's yeah. so good. He's effortless. It'd be effortless. And he's so boss. sweet to it, too. Like, yes. he, he's a good doctor. He, mm-hmm. And, and they, I love that they made him look so evil, but he's so sweet and he's yeah. wonderful throughout. And, um, buddy, he can be so harsh when he needs yes. that. So wild. But the harsh is still met with the sweetness. Exactly. He's yeah. harsh for a reason and he's letting yeah. you know, but he's not being mean to you. No, he's not being. It's, it's yeah, the he's not being it's cool. the way of harsh should be. Yeah, it's, it's yes. what harsh means. Like, literally, if you know a harsh person. I'm pushing I'm yeah. pushing this because I know this is the right way to be. Right. And oftentimes, he's right. And most of the time. Yeah. yeah. And I like that voice of reason, like a Troy from Next Gen. Yeah. You can compare it to. Or, or Spock. You know, 100%. Like, no, I like that. Right. I think the Troy comparison is probably yeah. most spot on. Uh, occasionally, Bones, he yeah. does play that voice of conscience and reason. It goes hard. Yeah. When it comes to, like, interference and actually hurting people, he yeah. goes real hard. You're wrong, Jim. But yeah. yeah, and yeah, oh, yeah. I always like being able to call that out. So, so you get that, and that's a big episode. It's really well done with the writing of the letter and the narration to it. I usually don't like narration unless it's done like this. I'll agree with that. It yeah, moves be- it along because it was kind of allowing you this uh, to speed up through certain parts of the story, yeah. but still giving the entirety of it. And, and so you're you're feeling all the emotion of it. You're understanding what he comes from. Plus, you're building his relationship with this person he's writing this letter to, which yeah. is really neat yeah. too, because that informs how Denobulans are as a society. This is just how open they are. Yeah, and 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 one aspect of this too um, is when he's working on a species he's never seen before, and he doesn't know if he can save them, mm-hmm. uh, but he finds out that another subspecies has a chance to be saved, has a chance to to kind of grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, that were they were always used as like sort of a, a servant race and stuff. 
he's torn because he's like, do I get involved in this? Do I help build them up? Which is a theme we see come back quite a bit on this show. Um, but he handles it in such a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. You know, he absolutely really, does. Yep. Um, rolling into Sleeping rolling Dogs. Rolling go into Sleeping Dogs, um, which is pretty solid. Klingon episode. Yep. Um, the So Enterprise, of course, is dealing with a gas giant that's going on. And there's a sinking ship. It's a, it's a uh, I, I don't know if it's a bird of prey at that point. Yeah, there was kind of their version of a bird of prey. Yeah. It wasn't quite the D-44. Yeah, you know the D nine. Yeah, so it wasn't a full Klingon cruiser yet at this point, and it wasn't necessarily just Romulan warbird. It was the early warbird. Okay, version. so it was like a two person <laughs> vessel Fair. kind of deal. Um, so they go to save the Klingons. This is a big Oshi episode, and having her kind of be prevalent, dealing with another species, being mm-hmm. on the ground. She used, isn't used such mostly for the communications, which is fantastic because yeah. the way they use her for communications makes you think about language. Yeah, They actually make me, this show has made me consider language in such a different way Yeah, and the way she interacts. And that's all Hoshi driven. That's a hundred percent. This character has driven that narrative of, what language is, how we communicate yep. with each other, you know, how things are different from one dialect to the next and how we adjust ourselves and how we can just get caught up in it and yep. how we will just naturally do it because we want to be able to interact with others. And you'll appreciate this. We've been talking about on our other podcasts um, that, you know, I've been, I, you know, I'm learning to sign. So watching this show, rewatching it, and seeing how she takes care of things and now she has to go about put piecing these things together has been a big help with me doing that. That's awesome. And yeah. I like that that is a forefront thing. They don't slide it off and say, mm-hmm. you're actually talking to her and she's like, I got to figure out the dialect. I got to figure out what Yeah, this and is. it's so important too because you can't communicate with any of these species. Yeah. Everyone goes, well, what about the universal translator? Hoshi is actively creating that right now. Yes. We are watching the person who put in the thing and recorded the thing and figured out the how to speak, so then we could have a universal translator. Uhura like, knows the languages and, and can hear the languages that are translated yep. and then so on and so forth. Because Hoshi, so. sure, Uhura knows all 27 dialects of Klingon, yeah. but Hoshi had to learn the first one. You know, it's wild. You had to wild. break that barrier so yeah. it really works out. Uh, leading us to the final episode, we're going to talk about this show, this, this episode. One. Uh, and that is Shadows of a Gem. Woo! Yes, I know you really want to get to it, one of your favorites. And I wanted to talk about this a little bit. And one thing I did want to point out as we were kind of getting into it, um, which was a big thing for me when I saw it, because I, like, I saw her and I'm like, wow, you know, we, we get Jeffrey Combs back again mm-hmm. as uh, Shram. Yep. And we are also introduced to the another Andorian character who is, uh, where is she? What um, is her name? I don't even remember. I cannot remember her name, but she plays uh, Alexander's mother. Yeah. On Next Jet. Oh. That's right. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, and she's also Marshall's mother on How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Uh, which, there you go, a lot of mothers. But she <laughs> uh, she plays a big part into this. And uh, the reason I bring her up, it was cool to see her back. And I also like the Star Trek deep using the same actors. Always. Got to keep them over. Got to keep them around, you know, at yeah. all times. God, I wish I could remember so her name. What are, some, right what are some of the things about this episode for you? That were that really stood out because this is sort of a big episode to kind of get in, learn mm-hmm. more about the Andorians, yep. and kind of being pulled into it because this is the one where uh, Jem, uh, the sanctuary has kind of been taken down. The Vulcans and the Andorians sort of are pissed right now, and they're ready to fight. Man, yeah. the Andorians are ready to go. 
the Vulcans are are they have I mean they have no recourse because they got caught spying, which breaks the violates the very treaty that they you know drafted in the first place. Yep. So this is a really fun one, and this is a really fun one because you get that aspect. So we're seeing these two different aliens going at it. We're seeing that you know Archer gets captured. Yeah. And he is so important that Shran is going to show up to help bail him out. Yeah. Because he's like, I don't want to be in anyone's debt. You know, so he's, he, yes. he cruises down. Oh, that's right. That's, gets, that's another episode that she mm-hmm. shows up. This, this is where Shran comes back to to help Archer. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm done with it. And it's the other dude he's with. Because it's only yes. two Andorians, then a rando. Yeah. So, yeah, it was no speaking. But, uh, <laughs> but you get these guys down there. Uh, you then get everyone else in line helping work around the Vulcans, essentially, mm-hmm. to come down and save the captain. It's phenomenal how they to do Paul's this. being recalled. To Paul's right. being recalled because she's, you know, they're like, they're we pissed. don't. They're, they, yeah. They're, the Vulcans don't want to work with Starfleet. No, and they pajammed. They blew up their a listening post for them. And not a small one. This no, was a this pretty big huge. spy base. And yeah. a monastery. So a super holy site, which was legit a super holy site. Which now shuts so, down that holy site. Which is a big deal to the Vulcans, yep. uh, you know, because the Andorians are like, we don't want you on it. We don't mm-hmm. want you dealing. We don't want to deal with this because now you you've lied to us once. How are we going to let you back? And well, so. and multiple times too. The reason they got to this point is because of all the lying and scheming between each other, you know. So it's a lot of fun because now we see, you know, because I think uh, Archer even saves Shran at the end of this, or at least like knocks him out of the way or something of a shot, and then yeah, he, he shows the shot. Of, yeah, and and that that's a big thing for Shran to later recall Archer back when he needs help, uh, which is, it, it builds like, it's not a friendship, it's an acquaintanceship with a lot of respect. There's a, it builds the respect is yeah. what it does between them. Because, you know, obviously these pink skins, as Shran likes to call them, yeah. is something they've never seen before. It's a first experience with them. So the first time around, all right, they're kind of jerks, but they, they're they useful. And then all of a sudden they help bail them out of this pajem situation. So now they're really useful and incredible. And, and they have honor to them. And they have honor to them. Deal. And now we're seeing them be honorable and fighting back and yeah. bailing them out and fighting, shooting at Vulcans. That's another big That's thing that big happens. Deal. Yeah, they do. That, there is a point. shot that goes at a Vulcan. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, once the bad guys are down, everyone stops. But they're shooting at each other. It's and Dorian big, see that. It hits hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what I really like about this episode. And that's why it's a good one to kind of leave off with before we get into the next show where we talk about the second half of the season. Uh, is that because the Andorians are so also so influential as a founding member of the Federation mm-hmm. to see this early respect come in? Because now you realize the Vulcans aren't bringing the Andorians to the Federation. But by the time we get there and that formation happens, and Archer is a big, is very prevalent to that. Part, yeah. Uh, a much older Archer you don't see on the show. Yeah. yeah. But he's so prevalent to it. It's that respect that he has earned through these actions that this, especially an episode like this, showed you of why we got to the Federation. Exactly. And that's what this, that's why I love this so much because I like to think of this as that first moment when the Federation could have possibly been a spark in anyone's mind. I mean, we're so far from that, any conceivable concept of that, but for that moment to see it, it was just rad. I just enjoy that a lot. I agree. It was a well done episode. Who directed this episode? I'm actually Uh, curious. This episode was directed by Michael Vijar. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure who did, but it was, it was really well shot. Yeah, Um, man. I mean, it's just really well done. I, a little goofy with some of the, 
the effects were a little odd and that set was definitely i remember that set i'm pretty sure that set was in a lot of different shows <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, I know for sure that set where they're saving them and having the shot the shootout with the barrels in the parking garage it's like where was this i've seen this before <laughs> yeah no for sure so uh guys that is our first half again we're just getting into this we got a long journey to go it's going to be a long road getting from here to there i did it for you Sean. all right now also before we run off i want to know who right now is your favorite character on the crew right now in this first half, in this first season half, half is Archer. Okay, in this first half, I can tell okay. you definitely by the second half of the season that changes. Yeah, but the first half is Archer. Yeah. Uh, now I love everyone on. The oh show. yeah, absolutely. But and I think it's a great crew. Would you do a top that. three? Do you want to do a top three? Well, top three right now would be Travis, okay, to Paul and Archer, three, two, one. Okay. What about you? Uh, on this one, I'm actually going Hoshi as number three. Okay. Uh, to Paul, agreed as number two. And uh, yeah, Archer is my number one. Archer is my number one. But I think Hoshi and T'Pol right now have okay. done a lot. They did a lot of heavy lifting early on. Uh, Hoshi especially, because she's got three major episodes. And she's so well used all the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she really is. She's really well used. When, they, when they're going to her, she's incredibly knowledgeable. She's always on point. She's got the best answers. She's there for it, you know? Yeah. Travis is still doing a little bit of that, like, oh, yes, sir. You know? <laughs> you know but that's the thing I like about him. It's like, you, 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 because we got that episode um, where you, you kind of get an idea of his life mm -hmm. and what it was, Fortunate Son, and that those insights really helped me build him for me. He's that's a good right. helmsman. He's a Starfleet guy who mm -hmm. leads in this. He's young. He's coming into it. Um, I, I would say more of a well-established checkoff. Yeah, actually, that's perfect. So, that's wonderful. Yeah, and I like yeah. that aspect. Of and that. I'm loving where T'Pol is at this point, just because they've done a great job establishing she's trying to maintain her Vulcanness, yes. but keeping an open mind because logic dictates. Yeah. She keeps saying logic dictates, keep an open mind to learn. I like that. So yeah. it's a good balance. And I think we're seeing, and plus the episode Breaking the Ice is brutal. Yeah. Her... her not just the Jolene Blaylock portrayal, but but what she's given that character of DePaul that carries on, yeah. that we see carry on, is such an amazing choice. Mm -hmm. And the way she does it is so well done. So it was fantastic. And yeah. I think for both of us, Archer is just, he's the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy right now. I mean, it's the Archer um, show. <laughs> it's the Archer and season. <laughs> my, my three will change. And we'll go, Fair. we'll go through that in each episode. But kind of, just not, not just characters, but we're going to ask different questions. Right mm -hmm. now, it's the characters. But I would love to get into more as we go species, things like that. So uh, join us. We're going to be doing this twice a month. Make sure it's a Patreon exclusive. Mm -hmm. um, thank you so much for watching this episode. Very rudimentary. Very much like Enterprise. We're going to be, the second episode will be the same way. And then we're going to hopefully be in a better place next time. Phase Cannon's coming up. So uh, let us know what you think. Hit us up in Discord. Tell us if there's anything else you want us to get in more in depth on or any parts of the show you didn't like. Actually, I lied about that second part. Don't talk about parts you didn't like. Just tell us that you love us and keep on listening. And I will tell you, there's going to be, a, if you are part of the Patreon, because we're going to add this part as clips, it's going to be fun because we're going to, we potentially have a very fun guest coming on to talk about it. And you're going to want to see that. I'm pretty sure it might be something you're interested in. Yeah. There's sure. a whole maneuver. There's a, <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. So until next time, make sure you join us for part two of season one of Enterprise in March. And then again, follow us every, every month going forward to follow us season by season to see what we think of Star Trek. Until next time, 
I'm Mick Manhattan. And I'm Casey the Madman Plot. And we will talk to you guys later. Take care. Thank you so much for joining in for this episode of Warp Factor Fiction. Remember to check out our other episode of this month. And next month we will have two more episodes covering a whole new season or movie for you. We really appreciate you joining in. If you guys are really interested in what we're doing here, make sure to go check us out. Again, the video is exclusive to Patreon, so you can go check that out. But check out our YouTube as well because we have lots of fun interviews with Jonathan Frakes, Will Wheaton, Todd Stashwick, and many more coming up from the Trek world, and we'd love for you to join. And remember, we have our companion series, Quarter Impulse, exclusively on our YouTube channel, where we get in-depth about different versions and variations of Trek that we really enjoy. Thank you again so much for joining in, and I will talk to you soon. Take care from the Scene Snobs.